Hey everybody, this is Doug Plants, and you're listening to the Custom Made Podcast. Each week I talk with digital transformation leaders within enterprise organizations and thought leaders within the custom technology space. My goal is to shine a spotlight on the work that is happening in enterprise organizations who are changing and the leaders who are driving that change. This is episode 49 of Custom Made, and this week I'm sitting down with Rachik Gupta, Vice President at Integrated Power Company, Vistra Energy. Based in Irving, Texas, Vistra Energy combines an innovative, customer-centric approach to retail with a focus on safe, reliable, and efficient power generation. Through its retail and generation businesses, which include TXU Energy, Homefield Energy, Dynergy, and Luminant, Vistra operates in 12 states and six of the seven competitive markets in the U.S. Vistra's retail brands serve approximately 2.9 million residential, commercial, and industrial customers across five top retail states, and its generation fleet totals approximately 41,000 megawatts of highly efficient generation capacity with a diverse portfolio of natural gas, nuclear, coal, and solar facilities. At Vistra Energy, Ratchet Gupta is a transformative people leader, building high-performance teams that leverage technology to increase employee productivity and enterprise revenue and profitability with a focus on cost optimization. In prior roles, Ratchet was the Senior Director of Corporate and Enterprise Applications at Energy Future Holdings Corporation, and before that, he served as a Director of Architecture Strategy and Transformation at EFH. During this week's episode, Ratchet is digging deep into the trends that are affecting the energy and utility space, including the changing U.S. power generation mix across fossil fuels, nuclear, and renewables such as solar and wind, as well as storage technology, microgrids, and the prosumer energy market. In addition to the changes to the energy industry, we also discuss the technology trends such as IoT, machine learning and AI, 5G, and blockchain technology that are transforming and disrupting this space, and how this technology integration is creating the utility of the future. And so without further ado, here's Ratchet Gupta. Perfect. Um... First of all, Doug, thank you for having me here. Uh, glad to be here and sharing a little bit about my story, energy industry, and where does it go from here on. So my name is again Ratchet Gupta. I am Vice President over uh, Power Generation, as well as Energy Trading Application at Vistra Energy. And what that role entails is uh, my responsibility is to deliver and do margin expansion by using and leveraging technology for driving additional revenue opportunities for the business teams, as well as uh, finding better ways of doing old, uh, of power generation, as well as energy trading. So a little bit about my background, how did I get here? I started about 10 years ago in the energy industry, um, and I was um, into more hardcore development, and then slowly I started learning the basics of energy industry, the energy trading, and we started building up uh, energy trading platform, which was for trading in the real-time markets as well as uh, different markets in the U.S. One thing led to other, and then I started building after trading. It natural progression was to build some of the uh, power generation systems that led into uh, creating uh, certain value creation inside the corporate side of the house, moved into the strategy side of the org where I was responsible uh, with the team on MNAs, mergers and acquisitions, including leveraging technology for the post-merger integration and creating value in terms of synergies. And as recent as earlier this year, I changed again my roles to go back to where I started from, which was power generation and energy trading. So that's a little bit about me. And uh, I love this role because I have a great team to work with and our focus is to leverage technology to deliver additional revenue expansion for our business teams. 
And so for our listeners and, and for myself as well, you know, it'd be great to kind of maybe start with uh, a bit of a definition around what is the energy in- industry because it's a, if it's, that's a very broad term. Uh, it's just like saying the travel industry. I mean, what does that mean? And so why don't you break down some of the kind of the major components and the major factors that, that make up the energy industry? That would be great to start with a basic 101 on energy industry. So I will keep it very high level, but throughout the discussion, we'll go into certain areas and focus on near disruptive ways of doing the same business. So I will start with the traditional energy industry as was understood 10, 20 years ago, or even five years ago. You have power generating assets like big power plants. You would have seen some nuclear, coal, gas. In near world, you're seeing some of the utility-scale power plants like solar, wind farms. You may have seen some while you're driving to West Texas or some solar farms as well. That's the generation side of the house. Now, your plants and the generating assets are usually away from the load pockets, which are your consumers. So you need transmission and distribution lines. These are poles and wires which move the power from where it's generated to where the users or consumers are. Typically, your consumers are um, your industrial load, your commercial load, as well as your uh, small, medium, and residential load as well. So that's the definition at high level on what different uh, players are. One important entity in the middle of all this is energy trading or wholesale group. Wholesale group is responsible for trading and arbitraging to maximize the value for an enterprise. Um, And the last piece in addition to the wholesale piece is the retailers. Uh, Again, in the deregulated energy market, you have energy retailers. Uh, uh, We have a couple of brands ourselves. TXU Energy is one, Fortune is another one. Um, You may be familiar with other retail brands in the state of Texas like Reliant and others. So these are retailers which provide the retail energy to the customers. So um, again, to summarize, you have power generating companies. You have poles and wires business, which is Encore here locally in Dallas, which provides transmission and distribution. You have the wholesale traders. And then at the end, where you meet with the customer or you have the customer interaction or your retail companies. And I think it's really interesting, um, as you mentioned through your introduction, is, you know, part of your role is to kind of think how to bring technology to to redefine new ways of generating energy or to, to make the most out of the, the different components that are part of the energy space. Um, and so why don't you talk a little bit about, now that we've kind of set the scene of what are the components of the en- energy industry, what are some of the trends that are buffeting or starting to affect the, the um, uh, energy and the utility space as well? That's a great place to start, uh, especially when utilities have been profoundly changed, driven by the technology innovation, disruption, uh, as well as disruption not only from the renewables coming into the play, battery storage. I'm sure you have started hearing about battery storage or started reading the news on that. Smart grid, microgrids, regulatory changes, as well as competitive transformation to provide more value to the customer. If I go a little bit deep, um, traditionally, 20 years ago, coal and nuclear gas were the fossil fuels and key drivers of energy in the United States and worldwide. What we have started seeing, there's been a big threat to the coal industry, and there has been a big shift from coal um, to renewables, uh, combined with the battery storage, which is upcoming, and that will be one of the 
topics will go a little bit more deep on what is the future entails for us there. The other thing which has been happening is as we see globally the disposition of coal is happening and nuclear, same we are seeing the trends in the United States. Uh, we continue to replace our coal fleet with newer innovative technologies, wind as well as uh, solar across not just the state of Texas but the entire United States. If you look at the uh, Bloomberg New uh, Energy Finance Report, uh, they publish a report on the cost of generating a megawatt or power uh, unit of energy and they say levelized cost of electricity at this point in time is uh, for the renewables is far cheaper than fossil fuel considering the upfront capital cost and factoring in all which takes to generate uh, build those plants and then operate those plants which is interesting because for the longest time i've heard and this is both from in the uk as well as here in the us that that the cost for solar energy or the cost for renewable energy is just it's just not on par with um, these other uh, more historical means of generating energy, and and that that's why it can't really take off. And so, and, and as with anything, you know, give it time, technology gets cheaper, gets more efficient, and then we'll talk about the storage in a moment. But it, it that helps bring that overall price point down, which which is obviously now it's on par, or it's even better now to use renewable than than fossil fuels or nuclear. That is accurate, and we'll go into some numbers as well as some comparative analysis of 10 years ago versus now and what's the future direction in terms of price points on different kind of technology, including battery. Uh, what I can do, Doug, is also lead into three of the key Ds we are seeing, um, and I'll explain what these Ds are. First one is demarginalization. What is happening is when you offer these plants in the wholesale market, they are being offered at uh, very low margins or no margins. And if you see historically, since 2014, wholesale markets in Northeast, and Northeast has three major markets, PJM, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland. Um, they are not just representative of those three states, but it is uh, comprised of 14 states. Second is New York, as the state name. Uh, and the last one is New England, which is uh, part of about eight states in the New England area. Again, what we have seen, there has been a 50% decline in the wholesale power prices since 2014. What it means for the business is how do you run in this new marketplace where the power prices are going uh, rock bottom, but you still have to deliver the value to your stakeholders, your shareholders, your employees, as well as your customers. So that's what we call the first D, demarginalization. Second, we call it decentralization or democratic democratization what it means is in olden days we used to have a concept of few big power plants and a lot of consumers millions of consumers that is changing we have a lot many more con uh, cons we have consumers but also producers you can have solar on your rooftop a company can have solar battery a company can install if they're in remote areas rural areas they can install wind farms so there is a lot more generation capacity which is also being introduced, uh, which are not large-scale utility generators, but small pockets. So that's what we are calling decentralization of the grid. And that's where the concept of microgrid comes into the play, which is having their own independent, or it can be connected to the grid, but it can run independently as well. So it is changing uh, the entire landscape of the 
energy industry and taking it upside down. Because grid was not created for these millions of folks producing and putting back the power onto the grid. And the last D, which is where I get pretty excited, is uh, digitization. And digital has taken the world with a big change, a leap forward, and also disruption, and no different in the energy industry. What we are seeing with all these connected networks, sensor data, smart homes, smart buildings, we are creating millions of data points projected to be in trillions in, by 2025. We are creating all this data and how we use this data to have actionable insight, self-feeling, self-balancing. And that's where the value prop is. So that's the third E, which is digitization. Taking these analog signals, converting them to digital uh, bits and bytes and leveraging them for actionable intelligence. So these are the three Ds I just wanted to highlight which the energy industry is getting transformed by. Yeah, super interesting. Um, and obviously, as it, the, the, the technology is, is kind of the bit that sparks the inspiration, the imagination with myself here and, and kind of, you know, what, what our audience really wants to understand is how, what is that, it's curious, the disruption digital transformation that's happening. How, how, uh, how is the work that you're doing at Vistra kind of really trying to capitalize on um, the opportunity um, and also being able to manage that change as well? Yeah. What we will do is let's step back and see what has happened to the fuel mix. Fuel mm -hmm. mix or generation mix is what was your mix of generating assets um, historically and what it is today and where we are going. So if you see, um, if we look at the start from the coal, which was the biggest generating uh, fuel um, in past, it has, this, that has been the biggest loser. If you look at the energy information uh, forecast, Coal has been down from 29% in 2018, projected to be 27% next year. And in 2017, it was higher, which was more like 30%. As we retire the coal assets, we are replacing it with newer either gas plants, which are more efficient, or renewables. Same thing if we see the gas. Um, gas is, um, has been the winner as well. And the reason is, when the sun goes down, or the cloud cover comes in, or the wind doesn't blow, uh, gas plants can ramp up and ramp down pretty quickly. What I mean by that is they can, they can bridge the gap when the uh, wind stops blowing. They can quickly ramp up. They can provide additional power needed. And what we have seen is an uptick in the gas plants. It was 32% last year in 17 to 34 this year, and we are projecting to be 35% dependent on gas. Uh, nuclear, nuclear is in the coal uh, camp as well. It is losing its share, and it's going down from 20% in 17 to be projected to be 18-19% in 2019. Now, who are the winners? Let's talk about the clear winners. Uh, win, big time. Uh, we continue to grow wind by 20% year-over-year penetration. In state of Texas, we have over 20,000 megawatts of installed wind capacity. Total grid is 84, 85,000 out of that 20,000. Big share of that is wind. That's the trends which we are seeing across the board, domestically in U.S. and abroad as well, globally. Most uh, areas are delivering the lowest cost for new installation via wind. Wind has been the cheapest source of electricity today. Uh, and there has been a lot of newer innovation in the wind. So if I take a step back, 
um, what is the biggest wind turbine you think of? In past, when I was growing up, I used to remember 100 kilowatt or 200 kilowatt wind turbines. If you look at today, the installed capacity is 8 megawatt wind turbine. Just to give you some perspective, 1 megawatt of energy serves 164 homes. Right. So, we have 8 megawatt of wind turbines, spans over 170 meters, which is equal to almost two football fields. Now, there has been new research and development done for 12 mega, uh, megawatts of um, 12 megawatts of wind turbines, which are having 200 meters of wind span, exactly two, almost two football fields, and they will generate 12 megawatts. So you can imagine we are generating almost, we are powering almost 8,000 homes by one wind turbine. We are also testing deep water offshore wind turbines, and the latest in that is floating wind turbines. There was the first installation done in Europe last year, so there has been a lot of disruption in that uh, in the wind industry, and people have started building a new grid infrastructure, which is called high-voltage uh, DC, not an AC, but DC uh, power grids to bring it back. Again, this is all driven by the power of disruption and technology combined together. And finding ways to drive greater efficiency and improve the capacity of, of what these devices can generate. I actually grew up in the highlands of Scotland, and, I, and I've been back to visit recently, and I just remember seeing off the coast just all these wind turbines now that sit off there. Where they, To be honest, there used to be a lot of oil rigs, and now they feel like they've reduced, and it is these wind turbines that, that are generating the power for the, for the regions as well, which is interesting. My wife's actually from Buffalo, and the Niagara Falls powers a lot, or generates a lot of the power that happens up there as well. Yes. Uh, and they also use a lot of wind and hydro combined together. Let's move into uh, another interesting area, solar. Um, there's two kinds of solar technology which is used. One is solar PV, which is photovoltaic cells. These are the cells which are used to generate power. And the other one is more traditional, use the solar power to uh, boil the water, generate steam and move turbines. The clear technology which is going to be the technology of future is solar PVs, photovoltaic uh, panels, as we say, solar panels. There is two um, different kind of solar installations which are done. One is called behind the meter, which is residential solar. Um, if you had to install a solar panel on the rooftop here to power your building, we'll call them behind the meter. The next one is called the front of the meter, which are the solar installation, which are done more for the utility scale, commercial scale, or uh, industrial scale. Uh, the front of the meter, which is the utility scale, competes with the wholesale market uh, power price. So they're, um, they're very competitive. Behind the meter, as a customer, when you and I install solar, we are always thinking about the retail price of the power, and we are doing our business case based on that. Um, solar price, just a competitive analysis, they were $79 a watt in 1976. They are, they are 37 cents a watt in 2017. So the uh, Moore's law also applies to the solar industry and the battery industry. Uh, again, as I said, the cost have been reduced year over year by 28% and with the doubling in the capacity. That's the uh, phenomena we have seen since 1976 up till 2017. 
Um, again, these, this is possible through the um, scale, uh, newer in, uh, technologies, newer chip designs, and lastly, smarter inverters as well is supporting it. Um, the next interesting technology, which is a lot of buzzword and for the right reasons, is storage. Yeah. And storage, if you remember, um, 10 years ago when someone talked about storage, I would have thought about my battery pack in my cell phone. Uh, five years ago, I would think about it as in, it's in the, my, of course, my laptops, but Tesla cars or any of the EVs, electrical vehicles. But now batteries are real for the utility space. And again, batteries are very similar to solar in terms of behind the meter and front of the meter. Uh, you can get battery packs for your home to store energy uh, for your home, which are called behind the meter. In front of the meter, we call it utility scale batteries. And the, and the battery component, whether that's in the house or, or at the, the generating um, um, plants, that's a way to get around when the sun doesn't shine or when the wind doesn't blow uh, so that you can, you, you can store this and store this and continue to provide power even when you know, it is a cloudy day or a cloudy week or whatever it might be. You hit the nail on the head. That's the beauty about batteries. They can store the power when you are generating more than what you need in your home and you can use them when it's evening or nighttime when there's no more sunlight. Same thing applies for utility-scale solar for, uh, wind farms where you can be storing the uh, power from the wind turbines uh, in the batteries and providing it when the peaks are... Usually there are two peaks um, for any utility. One peak is in the morning when everyone wakes up and turns on the lights or cranks the air conditioning down. The second peak is, no surprise, it's in the evening, around 4 to 7 p.m. when everyone gets home and they crank up their air conditioning or it's the peak time of the day when... It's really hot, and those are the two peaks. So you can leverage the storage um, technology to store the power to meet those two uh, peak uh, areas for the um, for the load or for the retail load. Now, some more interesting facts about battery. Battery costs have been declining at a steady state as well. In 2010, they were $2,000 a kilowatt. Right now, they are at $200 a kilowatt, projected to be $100 a kilowatt by 2025. So a huge decline in the battery price uh, from where we were in 2010 to where we are today. These prices have made battery as a very competitive option to replace and also add on capacity onto the grid at a utility scale as well as for the consumers which are behind the mirror. Um, one other thing which you highlighted is if wind is not blowing or sun is not shining, the advantage which battery provides, they're instantaneous. You flip the switch and they turn on. And through the technology like smart inverters, it's seamless. That's the big advantage they provide. So they um, supplement this wind and solar, which are intermittent resources, by providing more steady state supply of the electricity. One additional improvement which has been done on the battery technology itself is the battery duration how many hours does battery last as well as the efficiency improvements in battery has helped us to install battery for large-scale deployment in industrial use and utility use which was not the case 20 years ago or 10 years ago 
It also provides flexibility with peaking plants, pump storage, and others. Um, those are the key things um, on the battery side, and we have about 1,000 plus megawatts of planned battery projects in United States next year, not just by Vistra, but many other companies are doing installations at utility scale. And so with this storage, and, and you know maybe that's thinking a little bit more at the residential side, the trading of energy, because if I have a surplus of energy and I know, let's say I know the weather's going to be good for the next few weeks, what are the opportunities to, for, for me to be an energy provider to my neighbors or to somebody the other side of the world what, or the other side of the country? You know, what, what, is, what opportunity does that start to present? That's a, that's a good question. And let's go into a concept called blockchain. I'm sure you we're, we're, yes, we will. <laughs> that's very familiar in many different industries. But, but yeah, it'd be good to kind of hear some, some I'd say, real-world application of it. Perfect. So let me go step back and explain what is blockchain for the, um, for the listeners who have not heard about blockchain. It's a shared and distributed ledger. What it means is usually in the traditional companies, you have one copy of the data. For example, any bank you, uh, you have your accounts with, you have, you have your account with that bank, and that's not universal that if you have it with J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America doesn't have the same information or, or Wells Fargo or other. So this is a shared and distributed ledger, which is um, protected through advanced cryptography. So there are multiple copies of this ledger, and all of them are... Um, cryptographically in, encrypted so that they cannot be they're immutable as well as they're permanent so you can't change them once they've been written it provides a chronological view of the data itself and you can use smart contracts um, to define the business rules and that leads into the your question on how do we provide peer-to-peer -peer trading and with the use of blockchain there are certain pilots which have been going on around the world where they're leveraging it to provide your access capacity or power to your neighbors or selling it back on the grid. Um, one of the very useful use cases for the consumer is, um, giving you an example, if your utility could tell you that in the morning the prices are extremely low, use the grid power, and store what you're generating from your solar asset in your battery. But in the afternoon when the price is high, not only consume it for yourself, but sell the access to the grid and monetize so that you can minimize your bill. Those are the peer-to-peer -to -peer trading use cases which are coming to fruition. But in addition to that, the utility which provides as the backbone would clearly be a big winner in the space as well. And so... Just to pause on that, the energy industry is a very old industry with a lot of legacy systems, a lot of legacy uh, infrastructure. What are just some of the challenges that are to rolling this out, to, to even at a small scale? But, but, you know, every large company has legacy systems. They have bureaucracy. They have, what you know, old infrastructure that they need to address at some point. And so rolling out a new system or a new op operations, a new service is challenging. So how, how are companies like Vistra, how is the energy industry trying to uh, overcome this? So we'll categorize into four or five different buckets first, and we'll talk about each of the challenge. First one, the first one is uh, sensor technology. Most of the people know it through IoT, Internet of Things, or industrial internet. That's one. Second is communication. 
you are gathering all this great data through sensors and we'll go into what does it need to be how does it need to be communicated real time then we'll talk about big data and analytics next one is machine learning and ai how do we apply smarter technologies for this data which we have collected those are the four key areas including the last one which is cybersecurity cybersecurity is of utmost importance to us and everyone in the industry to keep our grid safe and plants so let's start with uh, sensor technology um sensor technology is applied throughout the entire energy supply chain what i mean by that you have started seeing uh, people create, making their home smarter office building smarter and in olden days um it was more energy efficiency was applied in pockets what i mean by that is you may do weatherization which may improve your energy efficiency or new uh, pump storage uh or you may replace your air conditioning with higher sear but what we are seeing is people have taken a step back and looking at the entire home or entire commercial building and doing uh, leveraging technology and sensors to guide them what is the most optimal use and how do we maximize the energy efficiency and minimize the energy usage uh, still provide our users what they need um, um, cool home in summers and uh, warm home in the winter so that's what they are doing leveraging the sensor data same thing applies on the power plant side grid side at the typical power plant we have anywhere between 5 to 20000 sensors these sensors are collecting data and the idea and the objective we have is to collect the sensor data and leverage it for first to ensure equipment reliability and megawatt reliability but more importantly also ensure that the plant can run most efficiently what i mean by efficiency of a plant it's like if i use an analogy of your car if you drive a same car as i do and you get more mileage then i i we place sensors in our plant which can guide us are there is there a leak of steam from the walls and how do we correct it so that we can maximize fuel being one of the largest cost for the plants we want to maximize our return on fuel so that's what we are doing on the sensor technology at the plant at homes and on the grid because if there is a grid outage due to a hurricane then we know it and then we can quickly react to it next topic we talked about is communication with the addition of uh, new innovative technologies like 5g which will have uh, data transfer speed up to 1 gigabyte per second that will help us to simulate large amount of data either at edge device or into a central repository and then which uh, run some analytics and which will be either to trade in real time or to make decisions on which devices to start at your home which to shut down what to store what to says what to put put on the grid that also has another newer technology which is coming in which is the satellite communication uh in next 10 years next decade we are planning to see satellites which will have 50 mbps data capabilities for very remote sites these are low orbit nano satellite uh which are weighing less than 25 pounds and they will be at a very competitive price point as well so that will address 
we got the sensor data, we got the communication. Next is data. Once we have all this data, how quickly can we use the data to make meaningful decisions, actions, so that we can maximize the revenue potential of the company as well as in your example, maximize uh, the revenue for you, monetize your assets which you've invested in, uh, your home rooftop solar as well as battery. And last one is machine learning. How do we use machine learning to predict my plant's failure before they happen and repair them before I have a unit trip or a failure? Or on the home front, how do we learn your behaviors so we can maximize return on your assets? For example, if we have, uh, if you have a big yard and you're using the smart sprinkler system, it collects the weather bank data, it has Bluetooth beacons inside your yard and it knows when to water it so it can minimize your water bill as well as electricity bill but maximize your return. Wow, and so all of these technologies coming into play, interacting with each other, just, just as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking like what you're trying to deliver is energy personalization at scale to the entire country or beyond that as well, which is, is, is no mean feat, um, but it's, it's from the collecting of that information, by, from the speed of that information flowing around within, within your systems and being able to just understand all of the, the different aspects that are unique to my house, like how much grass do I have versus not, how much uh, energy consumption, how big my family is. Um, the, the last point that you touched on, which I think would be an interesting topic, is around the cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a lot of information you're collecting around companies and people and so on. The, the safety of that information is, is must be paramount to, to the work that you do. And so um, what are some of those challenges that you, you need to be thinking about when it comes to cybersecurity? I think cybersecurity, as you highlighted, is at paramount or at most importance for us and everyone in the energy utility space for multiple factors. One is we want to secure our power grid, we want to secure our plant assets, our employees, our customer and customer information, we take privacy very seriously. And to do that with the Internet of Things and millions of devices and eventually billions and trillions of devices coming online, the idea and the objective is we apply the best cybersecurity policies, rules, tools to ensure that no bad actors can intrude into our environment and keep everything safe. Uh, we are in. We invest heavily in terms of securing our own asset, but we also do a lot of. Uh, f- we put a lot of focus on educating on users on why is multi-factor authentication is as most at most important not for the company employees but at also the uh, customers and how does it help in long run to secure their information and protect their privacy. So we are, with every day there are newer challenges or near um, threats which are coming in and we are always working to be ahead of that or reacting uh, to what's coming through the venture. And so I, I just want to pause for a second and, and talk about the the sort of the, how you and your teams and the broader teams are operationalizing around this where you've got these technology initiatives happening that have to be integrated. What is your team and what does the team makeup sort of look like at Vistra Energy so that you you can deliver on IoT and machine learning and blockchain 
you know, do you have um, like a ventures lab? Do you have kind of um, expertise in certain areas? You know, talk a little bit about the operations of this because, of course, these are elements that are unique to the energy industry, but they're also front of mind in their own way to pretty much every industry as well. So talk a little bit about the operations and how your team's structured or spread out and how it communicates. Yes. Um, so one last point which you highlighted, which is very important, is we draw a lot of parallels to other industries as well because what technology we talked about is applicable to a lot more a uh, lot many industry outside energy so we what we do is we do comparative studies and we learn from them um, and we apply those learnings um, to our industry how our teams are structured i have three major groups uh, there is generation team which is responsible for all the application which are at the plant sites in the generation team i have uh, fossil fleet and renewable which is ex nuclear and then I have a team which supports the nuclear. Nuclear is a little different and their regulations are different. Next team I have is, we call it POC. It's not proof of concept. It's called Power Optimization Center. This is our centralized monitoring and diagnostics center. And the last team I have is wholesale trading and commercial apps team, which is the rainmaker, which makes the money for the company from the commercial trading standpoint. These are the three teams which are structured. Now we are being supported by many other teams which are infrastructure, network communication, cyber security, uh, PMO, which are all helping us to be successful, including our retail teams. Within our teams, our responsibility, uh, the first order is, at most order is, to provide scalable applications, uh, challenge the norm, and bring application which will deliver value-based outcomes for the business team, including either revenue drivers, margin expansion, or cost optimization. How do we do that? So we have plant teams which are responsible for plant applications for safe and reliable power generation. Those teams also have tools which are deployed at plant testers, including sensors, which communicate up to 15 to 20 million data points every day from all these plants into our centralized monitoring and diagnostic center, which is power optimization center. This platform is built on AWS, uh, which then takes all this data and runs a lot of predictive uh, models to identify emerging issues, uh, performance, heat rate performance of the plant, which is the efficiency of the plant, uh, ramp rates, many other parameters which are vital to a plant. Extension of that is these plant parameters are also communicated to our traders so they know what to trade in the market, whether it's uh, today, next day, three months, six months, or years. So that's how the entire value stream works from cradle to grave, starting from the plant all the way to the trade floor. And if I draw a little bit further down, our retail teams then take this uh, and pass this to our retail customers who are the end consumer of our electricity. The the new technologies that you talked about, um, obviously there's a process of uh, ideating and discovering what, what could we do with these new technologies, how could we apply them. Um, 
how, how do you source ideas? How do you then start to prioritize ideas of what could be the next new thing we want to apply to, to our ecosystem that could drive efficiencies or improvements? How do, you, how do you find these ideas? How do you cultivate them within the organization? There's numerous different ways uh, we uh, cultivate ideas. Uh, and once we cultivate, we harvest this. We also have a uh, small ideation innovation forum, which which funnels all these ideas through a same lens to see which ones delivers the most value. We str- partner uh, with our business counterparts, whether it's trade floor, plant, uh, shops, or in between. What I mean by in between is the management team. And look at where are the value drivers. Where are the business process inefficiencies or revenue uh, expansion opportunities? And look at all those and then put them through the same funnel and same measurement on the return on investment, value to the customer, as well as value to the enterprise. Once we have done that, then we run a small pilot. First, we want to crawl, walk, jog, run. We start with a small pilot to prove the point. And we are running a couple of such pilots right now to bring additional margins for the company and we use one pilot power plant. We want to have a digital plant, digital worker, which gets communicated real time to the trade floor and apply machine learning for projecting what what can be generated from the plant today, tomorrow and near future. So that's how we leverage the power of ideation, bringing thought leaders from the business team, comparing parallel industry industry peers either in US or abroad because certain times there may be newer ways to do things internationally and bring it all to the bear. So I've, I feel like we've talked about the, the near future um, with, with the, the, the last part of our conversation what do you see is the, the, the future of uh, technology in the energy and utility space? Um, where do you see it going and, and what should people be thinking about as you think about the energy of the future? If we look at um, utility of the future, I call it the utility of future. Utility of future um, based on, um, again, Bloomberg, New Energy Finance Report or New Energy Outlook. What they are projecting is by 2050, 50% of the generation will be done through renewables uh, with the combination of battery, which will be going from 3 to 4% right now to 50% huge change in how we will start leveraging technology and technology innovation and ideation to provide the, to meet that demand but also apply those learnings and optimization for future uh, we also use the concept of virtual power plant what it means is your home generating power versus your office generating power large scale plants smart energy efficient buildings they all become part of this virtual power plant and the utility of future will be able to manage them solve the the millions of data points in real time and then able to trade which is the most efficient use of which power at what at any given point in time so that will get into our uh, decentralization and democratization will continue of that. The very One very important thing we will have to do is use this real-time data and enablement of the utility decision in a decentralized model. 
and adapt to the customer behavior, building behaviors, as well as planned behaviors uh, to maximize the return on investment and minimize the energy consumption. A couple of additional thoughts which come to mind is companies which will be able to leverage the information technology for distributed energy resources, smart homes, buildings, renewables, old plants, microgrids, which which we didn't go much into, but and EVs, electric vehicles, if they will be able to solve all this in real time, leveraging the smart grid, they will be the clear winners. And my bottom line is, utility of the future adapts and improves modern customer lifestyle by leveraging digitization and predictive and cognitive analytics. That's the utility of future. Wow. Completely digital. Yeah, absolutely. That's impressive stuff. And, and I think there's, this has been a, such an interesting discussion into the energy industry, which is, you know, part of everybody's life, um, you know, something you use every single day from the, mo- not even from the moment you wake up, but it's used every single day and just the advancements that are already happening, but the advancements that will continue to happen to, to think about that, that personalized energy for, for the modern, the modern person and what they need to, to, to succeed in their life as well. Uh, this has been a really interesting conversation. So Ratchet, thank, thank you again for joining us this week. Thank you, Doug.